0: Welcome to episode two of the Jared White Show. I am, of course, your host, Jared White, and I invite you to join me in a curated celebration of the art form that is the web. You can visit my website at jaredwhite.com, where you can sign up for my weekly newsletter with the latest links and blog posts from the site, as well as news about this podcast. I'll also soon be launching a Patreon membership, so if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, that will be the way to do it. And for my U.S. listeners, I hope you've been having a wonderful Memorial Day weekend and got to enjoy some R&R with friends and family. And also, uh, got links up now at jaredwhite.com slash podcast, so you can subscribe to this show now on Apple Podcasts, Castro, Overcast, and Pocket Cast. And speaking of Castro, uh, the new version 3 just got released a few days ago. Uh, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I've been an Overcast user for quite some time now. It's been my one true love for a long time now. But uh, Castro 3, wow, they've uh, really hit it out of the park with this new version. Uh, the interface looks just absolutely beautiful. Uh, I really like the workflow of, of you know, looking through your inbox of new episodes from various podcasts and adding them to your queue. Um, that part's not new. They've had that for a while now. But um, but just the way everything looks and functions, and and the new additions of um, they're equivalent to to smart speed. Um, I forget what it's called in Castro now, but it's basically a feature where um, every little gap between words or you know every little pause gets kind of truncated, so that you can listen through a podcast in a shorter amount of time, but without it sounding you know weird like it's like it's all speed up and really weird, and all the syllables are all mixed together, and it's. You know, that I can't stand listening to anything like that. Like it needs to sound like regular talking, regular words. Um, But, you know, all the gaps between things, you know, you don't really need that. So uh, so it's it's a great feature. Overcast came out with that as it's sort of marquee feature back in the day. Um, But now Castro three has it. So uh, hats off to them. All right, well, let's jump right into the meta tag segment. This is where I talk about pretty much anything I want to. It's sort of my monologue in the vein of late night talk shows. Um, But I'm going to keep it short today because we have a lot to cover in the later segments. Um, Basically, what I want to discuss with you guys is job hunting as a tech worker today. I've been working in the tech industry for many, many years now as a web designer and developer. And, uh, f- you know, for a long time, my overall opinion of working in tech was positive. You know, I was excited to be a tech worker. I was happy to be able to contribute to projects with my, with my skill set, which is a- an in-demand skill set. So I felt very blessed and fortunate to be able to, you know, work in this industry and participate in the the exciting roller coaster progression of innovation and creativity that you can find in the tech industry, um, but along with everyone else, it feels like over the last year, maybe a couple years, um, I, I I too have been sucked into this tech backlash. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't plan to become bearish on tech, but uh, it just seemed to happen. The more I looked at the industry I was in, the more I saw problems with the culture of many tech companies, Um, not just things that are very obvious and newsworthy, and and of course, very important, like sexism in the workplace, or or racism, or one of those issues. Uh, Not just that, but also the general sense that um, technologists tend to think that everything that they're working on is this revolutionary, amazing thing that's going to change the world for the better. And I think there's a real backlash now against that, that not all progress is necessarily good. Not all change is necessarily uh, healthy. And you know, the, the fact that we're all using services that um, do questionable things with user data is becoming a real problem you know, hey, what's going on with my data, and how are you using it? And how can I trust that you are a company that will protect my interests over your own? Um, That's become a real real issue now. And I think this extends beyond just that sort of issue to a general sense of uh, how is this new technology going to uh, make society better? So, for example, self-driving cars. For many years, self-driving car companies were proclaiming that, you know, as soon as this technology is perfected and out in the marketplace, it's going to change everything, it's going to revolutionize everything. We're all going to love it. There might even be legislation eventually so that you can't drive your own car without some special sort of permit, uh because the 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 default will be that all cars are self-driving because it's so much safer. But now, you know, all you need is one news report, right? All you need is one scary story of a self-driving car going completely haywire. And that has happened. And now everyone is understandably nervous about this glorious new future of self-driving cars. Like, well, wait a minute. You know, this, this self-driving car that Uber was testing in Arizona... Why did it see a pedestrian several seconds before it hit it and killed this poor lady? (laughs) You know, what's going on here? And, you know, so far investigations have turned up, no smoking gun. It wasn't like, oh, this one line of code was the culprit. It basically just was a failed system. The software just failed because of, you know, a wide variety of, of possible causes and issues that have yet to be resolved. And so, you know, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear like, oh, you know, there is a bug in some software and that's why that person got killed. It's one thing to have a bug when you're using Instagram, you know, like, oh, man, I clicked this heart icon and nothing happened. That's a bug, right? Ah, That sucks. You know, that's one thing. It's quite another thing for people's lives to be on the line and you're working out bugs in software. So, you know, I think our human-driven car future is pretty secure for the, the time being. And self-driving cars, I, I in my opinion, have a long, long way to go before they're going to be making any significant dent in the, the typical uh, traffic patterns in our society. Um, but anyway, not, not to keep this on too negative a note, um, basically, the, the point I'm trying to make is, as someone who works in tech... Uh, I've been you know, looking for some new opportunities recently, um, looking for new clients, and starting to come to the conclusion that I don't necessarily want to work with companies that are themselves in the tech industry, because I have a lot of concerns about the culture of many tech companies. And you know, when, when you look instead at companies in other sectors, like say, uh, nonprofits or education, or uh, publications, uh, different different companies that that require uh, you know technology services as part of what they do, but aren't themselves in the tech industry. For me personally at this point, I find that much more appealing. so it's it's strange. It's strange to be someone who is a technology worker and could easily, you know, imagine myself in a position of working for a Facebook or a Google or some hot Silicon Valley startup. But I'm just not interested in that scene. I'm not interested in that type of of culture. So it's been a bit of a challenge to to wrap my head around all that. Uh, but I take comfort in the fact that, you know, there are some really great people out there who are working on open source projects. Who are working for uh, nonprofits like Mozilla to develop uh, new technologies for the web? Uh, there, there are some really awesome startups out there that are doing amazing stuff that don't, really don't have a, just a pure profit motive and a desire to get as much money out of VCs as they can and go public or get sold. You know, they they want to have uh, control over what they're doing and be able to maintain their own values and. Sense of morality. So yeah, it's not all bad, folks. It's not all bad. In the block quote tag segment today, I have something pretty exciting to share with you. I was using Wikipedia the other day, and I noticed all of a sudden, I was using my desktop iMac, looking up an article, and and I noticed that the design looked really different. It was, it was very clean, kind of minimalist. Uh, the, it was, all, all the text was formatted in a, in a central column that wasn't too wide, and it was very easy to read. And so I thought to myself, oh, wow, Wikipedia is looking good. They must have done a bit of a redesign lately. Uh, so in preparing for the show, I was trying to do research to find out when this redesign happened and what was going on with that. And I couldn't find anything. And I was scratching my head trying to figure out what was it I was looking at? Was it some kind of A-B test? And hardly anyone is aware of it yet or something. And then after fiddling around a bit on Wikipedia, it dawned on me that I had been looking at the mobile version. I was looking at the mobile version of the article on Wikipedia rather than the standard desktop browser version. And that's why it frankly looked a lot better. (laughs) Uh this is, this is an ongoing issue right now on the web, which is that sometimes mobile sites actually look a lot better than their desktop site counterparts. Suffice it to say, it got me thinking, what if there is a way I could inject a s- sort of special style sheet? So when I'm browsing Wikipedia, uh, you know, without having used the mobile version, um, is, is there a way I can get it to look a lot better and be more, more easily readable on a large iMac screen? And so that led me to a company called Stylish. They have a website at userstyles.org. And there you can install custom style sheets using a browser extension. They have extensions for Chrome and for Firefox. Uh, Not for Safari, unfortunately. I I use Safari as my main browser. um, But I really like Firefox, especially the latest version. Uh, So I installed the Firefox extension And with that, it allows me to install custom style sheets that people have designed for all kinds of different websites. Um, So I, I tried out several different style sheets for Wikipedia, and I found one that I like a lot, and it's called Wikipedia Gentle Suck. And it has the, it has that title because the author claims that it makes Wikipedia suck just a little bit less. <laughs> so, um, so if you go to Stylish and uh, there, there's a link for this in the show notes, uh, which you can find at jaredwhite.com/podcast/2. Um, if you download the Wikipedia gentle suck style sheet and visit Wikipedia, it's going to look a lot nicer on a large screen. Uh, it's going to have really nice typography. It's going to limit the the rows of text to a certain width, so it's easier to, to read through. Uh, it just generally looks a lot nicer. Uh, so I was excited to find out about this. And there's all kinds of other sites, too, as well, like YouTube and Facebook and, and other popular sites where you can download custom style sheets and and customize it in, in all kinds of ways from From the minimalist side of things to just completely bananas. Like, you know, if you want an ocean behind your Facebook posts, uh, there's a theme for that, I'm sure. And so uh, it's a lot of fun. If you're on iOS specifically and you want an app that makes it really fun to browse through Wikipedia uh, and just looks really, really nice, uh, there's an app called V, V for Wikipedia. I'm not sure why it's V and not W for Wikipedia. <laughs> um, but if you go to the, the iOS app um, uh, download page on the App Store for V for Wikipedia and take a look there, I, I think you'll, uh, you'll, you'll really like how that makes Wikipedia look and makes it fun to browse through. And on to the next story, uh, a little bit of a tech on a rye story here, um, Amazon's Alexa which is a, a platform and a series of devices that allow for uh, smart assistant and voice control features uh, in the home and, and office and wherever you put one of these little cylinders, um, this crazy story where all of a sudden somebody's friend called them up and said, uh, I think you're being hacked. What's going on here? And it turns out that Alexa had somehow interpreted just ambient conversation in the person's home as a series of commands. And these commands were essentially to tell Alexa to record a voice recording and then send that to somebody in this person's contact list. And there, uh, there's a couple links in the show notes about the the details of this. Um, there's a Wired article with some great context about just which sequence of commands apparently had gotten triggered and nobody realized this was happening until they got this friend's frantic call, um, but it just illustrates how, you know, we're, we're all excited and, and gung-ho about getting these voice assistant uh, apps or hardware products into our homes uh, to, you know, it, you know to, to honestly do all kinds of amazing, cool stuff. Um, but, you know, what are the downsides? What are the potential pitfalls to this technology? And I think this illustrates that they you know, it's not all peaches and cream, uh, I personally do not have a voice assistant box or cylinder or what have you in my home, uh, and I'm not sure I'm going to get one anytime soon. Um, I- I've been tempted to get the HomePod from Apple, mainly just because I want a really nice wireless speaker that can play from Apple Music and you know AirPlay streaming. And the occasional Siri voice command feature might be nice, but... I'm honestly pretty happy with keeping voice control strictly to my devices that I have in my hand, like my phone or my iPad, uh, where I can interact with the device directly and kind of see what it's doing and make sure it's doing the right thing. The idea that there's just sort of this thing that's just kind of in the atmosphere, that's just picking up whatever's in the atmosphere and kind of just doing stuff and it's going to talk to me when it thinks I'm talking to it. Um, That seems really great on Star Trek episodes. But I'm not entirely convinced that this is how we want to actually have things in our home. I think having ambient computing versus intentional computing um, is a is a debate that, um, you know, we, we need to have that debate. Uh, and what I mean is intentional computing is where I know I'm using a device and I'm trying to direct it to do something, and that's typically how we've used computers. Whereas ambient computing is where computer stuff is just sort of in the atmosphere, and it's trying to detect what you want from it, and it's doing things for you without you necessarily realizing that it's doing something for you or, or what exactly it's doing. So ambient versus intentional computing is definitely a debate that I think that we need to have as a culture. Next up, I'd like to talk to you about Theranos. Not Thanos. <laughs> Although they're both villains. Uh, Theranos, in case you're not aware, is a Silicon Valley startup that uh, actually started up quite a while ago, uh, in the early 2000s, I believe. Uh, And their intention was to make a little device that could uh, take a tiny blood sample, basically just a finger prick uh, sample of blood, and provide an entire uh, blood panel, you know, basically it would run through a whole uh, series of tests and provide all kinds of information about your health and and you know lead to a possible diagnosis of various issues or just you know being able to to maintain your health if you already are aware of issues you're having, uh, you know, have getting these regular blood tests could be quite beneficial. Um, so a lofty goal, a certainly noble goal, and I'm sure we all wish that Theranos had been successful in this goal. It would be just absolutely wonderful to have a device like this. Um, But unfortunately, that's not what happened. What actually happened is that Elizabeth Holmes, the founder and CEO of Theranos, a a very charismatic Steve Jobs-like figure that, you know, back in the day had won everyone over with with her charm and her intelligence, um, it turns out that she misled everybody. And there was a culture of, of secrecy and fear at the company that made it. Uh, very, you know, very difficult for anyone to come forth and, you know, leak to the press or explain to anyone that, um, you know, the claims that Theranos was making about how their device would work were simply false. They it never got to working the way it needed to work, even though they kept claiming that they're they're on the verge of of breakthrough, or, or in one case through a deal with Walgreens, they started selling devices to people in the in the general public, promising it, that they would get great results from these devices. Uh, and that just simply wasn't true. It never did what it was promised. Um, so now everything's blown up. John Carrey you, is a journalist who uh, first broke the story of Theranos misleading both investors and the public with their claims uh, back in 2015. And he's out now with a book called Bad Blood, Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup. Uh, and he's been making the rounds on, on TV uh, talk shows and so forth, uh, giving interviews and uh, there's an excerpt from the book at Wired, and there's a link in the show notes for that. Um, but basically, it's just it's just this terrible, gut wrenching story of a company that promised so much and got everyone so excited, and just ended up botching everything. And not, you know, I'm sure they didn't intentionally want to make something that didn't work. I think what happened is they are just simply unable to make something that work despite their best efforts and rather than come clean about that, rather than o- honestly admit that this technology was nowhere being done, uh, they just decide to lie. They just bold-faced lie about the state of their product and uh, it's it's really a shame, you know, it's it's a shame that, you know, that that this company misled people for so long. Uh, And now Elizabeth Holmes and other people at the company in leadership are under investigation from the California Attorney General's office. So it's possible that that Elizabeth Holmes and other people at the company who uh, were in leadership at the time um, could be uh, prosecuted and possibly face steep criminal fines or even jail time. So what a crazy story. Uh, And... It illustrates, once again, that we need to be just a little bit skeptical, more than we have been, uh, of, of grandiose claims from, from tech companies. Uh, you know, Silicon Valley has seemed to be a magical place for so long, um, but I definitely think that a little bit of healthy skepticism is, is much needed at this point in time. And finally, rounding out the block quote tag segment is an article by Federico Vitici, the best name in blogging. Federico Vitici. He's the author and uh, founder of maxstories.net. And he wrote this very long essay uh, about how he basically pressed the reset button on his life at the beginning of this year and kind of rethought everything he was doing in his life. Um, Start an entirely new exercise regimen. Uh, Mindfulness, practicing gratitude, uh, just all all sorts of things that, you know, it's easy to sort of take for granted that stuff. And when people talk about it, it's easy to sort of tune it out and be like, oh, you know, good for you, man. You know, New Year's resolution, more exercise. Yeah, cool, whatever. You know, mindfulness. Yeah, we all want to be more mindful. Okay, sure. Uh, you know, gratitude. Yeah, thankful. I'm thankful for life. Sure. Yeah, you know, it's so easy to like discount all that as sort of fluffy stuff. But I think this article is really, really solid in that he he illustrates uh, just how miserable he had become, generally speaking, and how it it didn't make sense. and And he actually felt he felt like it was wrong not to be feeling more happy, uh, primarily because. Uh, Federico Vitici had battled cancer and um, a few years ago, uh, after a, a, you know, a long series of, of medical procedures and, and all kinds of stuff, that was a big hassle, um, he, he got a clean diagnosis. And so, you know, being cancer free and getting a new lease on life, at first he wanted to just go back to his, his normal life, which is completely understandable. Like, you know, let's just go back to the way things were and back to normal now. Um, but it turned out his his normal was not really satisfactory. It was not making him happy, and he had to come to admit that and realize that, and and kind of you know rethink everything he was doing. And so I found this article hugely inspirational. Um, I thank God have not had to battle with cancer or any horrible disease, but I have battled depression and mental illness. And have had to rethink a lot of things in my own life along these lines of how I'm practicing mindfulness and gratitude. And uh, so, th- this was a great article. I highly encourage that you read it. Uh, Federico Vitici is uh, not only a great author but also a great podcaster, and I've really enjoyed his show, Connected, on the Relay FM network. Um, so, uh, so go to the show notes, uh, read the article, and I hope you enjoy it. And finally, for today on the image tag segment, I'm highlighting a site that I just thought was absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. It's the Blue Heart of Europe, and it's a site that Patagonia put together. Uh, they won the Site of the Day Award on a site called Awards, A W W A R D S. <laughs> so they you know, they have the WWW in their name, which I thought was clever because it's uh, an award site for websites that exhibit really uh, clever creative direction and, and design and innovative communication. Um, but the Blue Heart of Europe is a site all about how um, almost every waterway in Europe, you know, every river, every stream, uh, has been altered in some way with dams and redirections, and it's almost impossible to find any truly wild rivers anymore. And this is actually a major ecological problem. Uh, and not just in Europe, but in other places around the world, of course. But specifically, uh, this whole site is part of an awareness campaign. Uh, they have a film coming out, and there's a trailer for it. And uh, it's it's about how this um, certain part of Europe in the Balkans um, you know, the wild rivers that are there really need to be protected. And so, um, you know, the, the reason I wanted to feature this was less about the, the politics or the ecology issue here, although it's, it's very interesting. Um, but just the way the site was built, the way it looks, the way it functions, uh, it's just absolutely amazing. Uh, it works well on large desktop sites, as well as smaller mobile devices. And, um, it kind of feels like a bit of a of a callback to the old days of c d ROMs. Remember when we used to buy c d ROMs and they would come with all this amazing multimedia content with you know with cool graphics and videos and you'd you know click through all these different areas and things would pop up and it was it was very interactive and dynamic and you know compared to you know the world wide web at the time or even or even you know a decade later. Um, these cd-rom applications were were just absolutely amazing eye-catching and engaging Um, and so it it warms my heart to see sites that are the evolution of that sort of attention to design and interactivity be uh, available to us today so uh, definitely recommend checking that out the blue heart of europe by patagonia And that's a wrap for today's episode of The Jared White Show. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate you, uh, each and every one of you. Um, The fact that anybody is listening to this is is just terrific. So uh, I appreciate you. Uh, Please visit jaredwhite.com if you haven't already and sign up for my newsletter. And there are links at uh, jaredwhite.com slash podcast to subscribe to this show in Apple Podcasts, Castro, Overcast, pocket cast. And if there's any other podcast app or platform that you like to use, and you would recommend that I add a subscribe link, um, please let me know. Um, So that's it for today. And I'll see you next week on the Jared White Show.